The songwriter wrote in that song, the third verse, he said, He cleansed my heart from all its sin. Folks, there is now no condemnation to those who walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. That's what it talks about in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is no condemnation. How can there be no condemnation to this flesh that stands before you? Because there is sin in this flesh. Just as there is sin in every bit of flesh that's in this room and every flesh that's ever walked this earth. How can there be no condemnation? Because He has cleansed my heart, my soul, from all its sin. God doesn't do anything halfway, folks. He hasn't done something part way and waiting for you to do something to accept it. Our Lord does everything perfectly. That's why He's Lord. He's Lord. He's God. We call Him God because He is perfect in everything that He does and that includes salvation. Kathy and I were took a little road trip up to Tahoe this week. I had originally planned to go over to Dayton with my sister and uh, pass through Tahoe and stop in and see our friends in Tahoe. And uh, that fell through, so I thought, you know what, I'll just take Kathy. And so we went up there and I asked uh, um, Mike or, or uh, Brandon, I'm not sure which one I was talking to on the, on, on the texting. I said, is Tahoe Pizza still the best pizza? No, 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 no. There's another one around the corner that we like to go to. So I went over there. It was a good pizza. But what I remember most about it is, is we sat there and eating. There was a trailer sitting out in front. And some guys were working on another one of the little stores there in Strip Mall. And on the trailer, there was a stick man with a hammer and, and a, the words Psalms 127. And so Kathy looked it up real quick. What is, what's that going on there? And it says this. It says, and we looked at this not too long ago. Verse 1 of Psalms 127. Except the Lord build the house. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain. They build it. And that means this. Those churches, those gatherings of folks who say that we got to go out and we got to save some people, they've missed the whole point. You and I don't save anybody. We can't save anybody. We can't speak to the hearts of men and women. Only God can do that. Only God can take out an old stony heart and replace it with a heart that loves Him. I share that with you because every message, every message needs to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. Many churches today, right this very moment, are standing before people telling them all the good works that they do or how you should be doing this to bring more people into the church. Our Lord says in the book of Acts, and Christ, God, Jesus, added to the church daily as those that should be saved. Not the people. Not you and I. Not God's people, but God Himself must teach man about Himself. 
And that is my prayer this morning, is that we will look into Scripture and that the Lord would be pleased to teach you and I some things of His Word. Would you open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61? And allow me to make a few statements before I begin reading in our text. In 1 Timothy 3.16, we read these words. Paul is encouraging Timothy to be, a, as, as Timothy is to be a preacher. And he's encouraging him to stand strong in the gospel that was taught to him. And he says, without, and without controversy, in verse 16 of 1 Timothy 3, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. If somebody stands before you and says, I can explain to you how God is three separate people in one. Run. If somebody stands before you and says, I know, I, I, can, I can explain all this stuff here in Scripture. Run. It's a mystery. It's a mystery because God's ways are not our ways. And as, you, as humans in this flesh... We try to reason everything out according to our flesh. That's just the way we try to do things. We try to figure things out. How did the world flood? Have you ever heard those shows on TV where they try to explain those kind of things? I, I, I got wrapped up into that myself at one time. And I have to come back and realize now, wait a minute, I can't understand how that happened. That's a miracle of God. God's ways are not our ways. He does things differently than you and I would think would be normal or, or uh, logical. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and believed on in the world. Received up into glory. Now our Lord came to this earth in the likeness of our flesh. It was in the likeness of sinful flesh according to what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 8 verse 3. In fact, he also wrote that he came to the earth in, in Philippians 2.7 in the form of a servant. Our God was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. He was born of a virgin so as to have no part of Adam's sinful nature. He had a human nature Absolutely. He was hungry. He thirsted. He wearied. He slept. Yet He did it without sin. He was tempted as we were, yet without sin, as it says in Hebrews 4.15. Paul wrote to first, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, what we just read there, great is the mystery of godliness. It is a mystery of godliness, for God was manifest in human flesh. Jesus Christ actually came to this earth and inhabited the body of a man. He was 100% God, yet 100% man also. This is important to understand much of Scripture. He was born of a woman, born under the law. The Old Testament is a testimony of types and figures of this very thing. It's types and figures of the one who would come and heal the sick. This one who would bring forgiveness for sins to His people. 
those for whom He has loved from eternity before the stars ever twinkled in the sky. We read in Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born. Speaking of this one who is born of a virgin, unto us a son is given. Given to His people as our substitute. And the government shall be on His shoulders. That means not just like the government of the United States or the government of Russia. That means the government of everything. Sovereign ruler of everything. Including man's so-called free will. He rules over all things. The government shall be on His shoulder and His name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the God-Man. The Old Testament declares Him and the New Testament reveals Him. Read with me if you would verses 1 and 2 of Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is... uh, The Spirit of the... Let me start again. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. Now, I want you to mark your spot there in, in Isaiah chapter... 61. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Like I said a moment ago, the Old Testament proclaims and the New Testament reveals. Turn over to Luke chapter 4. And look with me, if you would, at verses 16 through 21, Luke chapter 4. And he, speaking of our Lord Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recover of the sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And He closed the book and He gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ in this person, in the person of Jesus, of Nazareth, This God-man, God Almighty, has fulfilled every promise, every prophecy, every picture, and every pattern of the entire Old Testament. He's fulfilled everything. When our Lord hung on that cross, 
Before he gave up the ghost, he says, it is finished. All that the Old Testament prophets spoke of. And he declared this when he speaks of the two men on the road to Emmaus, to the two disciples. All of the old prophets, Moses and all the prophets, all spoke of him. He went through and expounded unto them all the things pertaining to himself. He has fulfilled everything that has to do with salvation, everything that has to do with the redemption and our relationship to God. He has promised, everything He has promised, everything He has prophesied, everything that's pictured according to salvation in the Old Testament, this is fulfilled by our Lord, and our Lord says, this day it is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Now let's go back to our text in Isaiah and consider what it is that He has fulfilled. The Lord Jesus Christ is salvation. He is redemption. He is God Almighty. And he is, and he is eternal life. Everything is fulfilled in Him, and that is what He's saying. This day is this Scripture and all Scripture fulfilled. Every promise, every prophecy, every pattern, every picture, every type is fulfilled in Him. It's fulfilled from Genesis to Malachi, and he says, This day, this moment, it is fulfilled here before you in your ears. Now look again with me at verses 1 through 2. Let's read that again. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, upon the Son of God, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to, com to com comfort all that mourn. Now, the God-man says, first thing there, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That might sound like a little bit of a peculiar thing for God in the flesh to say, don't you think? I mean, is not our Lord, what I said a moment ago, God a very God? And as God, does He need any additional power from the Spirit? I mean, is not, is not Jesus equal with God the Father and equal with God the Spirit? This is our Lord portraying to you and I His manhood. And I mean, I don't mean by manhood as in what we would call manhood in our day, you know, being strong, manly men. No. 100% man. God Almighty said that God the Father put the Spirit upon Him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of God, my Spirit is upon me. Our Lord doesn't need any additional power, not as God in divine, but as in the flesh He did. He gives glory or spirit. Folks, He has a spirit and He is, and he is a spirit, yet He is also a man in every sense of the word. He had to be a man to be identified with you and I. The Scripture says this, 
as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also Himself likewise took part. Our Lord had to take part in everything that you and I have had to take part in. He had to be 100% man. God in the Spirit cannot die. God in the flesh did die. And He did it perfectly. Scripture, uh, he, he humbled Himself and he, made, and he was made flesh. So as a man in human flesh, He must have the Spirit of God. He prayed in John 17, He said, Father, glorify Me. Another strange thing to hear. The God of all glory saying, God, Father, glorify Thou Me. Yet this God, and yet He is a man. This is God and He is a man. Do you understand what we're trying to say here? God in the flesh is our representative. Just as you and I call upon the Lord to send His Spirit into our heart, to open our hearts to hear His Word, to help us to walk, God in the flesh did the same thing. He called upon His Father. The Spirit is upon me. Lord, glorify me. He is our representative. And as our representative, He had to be subject to all things as we were, yet without sin. So He says, God has put His Spirit upon me. When the Lord of all glory was baptized in the river Jordan by John the Baptist, the Scripture says this, He says, the Spirit of God descended upon Him in the form of a dove. And John witnessed that because the Lord had come to John and given him a vision saying the Spirit of God uh, saying to him, The Lord said unto me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descend, this is the Son of God that is the Messiah. God giveth the Spirit without measure unto Him. He gave Him the Spirit without measure. You and I, we have, a, we have the Holy Spirit with us, but we have it with a measure. It's a small measure, yes. But... Christ didn't need any measure. He was given all of the Spirit. All of the magnificence of the Spirit. God giveth not the Spirit by measure to Him, but without measure to Him. Here the Lord says, the Spirit of God is upon me. Now notice what the next line is. It says, because He hath anointed me. In other words, God the Father ordained and appointed His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus, to be our surety. Amen. You say, well, what do you mean by that, John? He's known as the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That's what it says in Revelations. Revelation. I say that. I put that S on the end of that, and I apologize. I don't mean to do that. I've done that all my life, and it's hard. It's a hard habit to break. It really is. But he's the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He hath been anointed by God before anything was ever created to be the Son of God, man, uh, 100% man, 100% flesh. God ordained and appointed His only begotten Son to be our surety, the surety of the everlasting covenant. The covenant that was made between God the Father who said, I'll give this people. God the Son who said, I'll redeem this people. God the Spirit said, I'll give this people life. He is the surety of that covenant. He is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He is our mediator. He is our advocate. 
He's been appointed and ordained and anointed by God to serve in that capacity. He's a prophet, priest, and king. He says, the Lord anointed me. He says, no man takes that honor upon himself. Even the priests of the Old Testament didn't do that. Aaron and the sons of Levi did not volunteer for the job that was given to them. God appointed them as the, as the priests of Israel. Just as the Son of God was appointed as our high priest in the order of Melchizedek. One who has no beginning. One who had no ending. He's our priest, our high priest in our sin offering. When the high priest of old went into the temple, into that holiest of holies with blood, they offered up a sin offering for themselves first and then for the people. Christ Jesus did not have to offer up for sin for Himself for He knew no sin. His offering was for you and I. For the people of God. Those that were given to the Son by the Father before the world began. And it means because God had appointed Him that He is also the only High Priest. He's the one mediator. He's the only prophet, priest, and king that God would accept and that God would accept, be satisfied with His sacrifice. His name is above every name and that name is Jesus where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that He is Lord of lords. The Spirit of God, he says, is upon me because the Lord of God anointed me. That's what he's telling us. A hymn writer once wrote this of old. He says, Bright and joyful is the morn, unto us a child is born. From the highest realm of heaven, unto us his Son is given. On his shoulders he shall bear, power and majesty he shall wear. On his vesture and on his thigh, names most glorious, names most high. Wonderful Counselor, He the Incarnate Deity, Rock of Ages, Never to Cease King of Kings, Prince of Peace. Come and worship at His feet, yield to Him the glory meet. From the manger to the throne, glory due to God alone. He says, the Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord God anointed me. He appointed His Son he adored, ordained His Son. He sent His Son to do what? Look at the next part of that line. The Spirit of God came upon me. The Lord hath anointed me, He says, to preach good tidings to the meek. <laughs> to sinners. To preach the good news that Christ came to save sinners. He says, I am, preach, I am to preach to proclaim the good news. To declare the good news to the meek. My friends, True preaching is a proclamation. True preaching is a declaration. True preaching is a means of setting forth the gospel, the good news of grace, of the grace of God. True preaching declares that there is forgiveness for transgressors. It's not preaching standing before people telling them about all the good things that your church has done or telling them come forth and, and you'll be saved or telling them to get into the baptistry and you'll be saved. It's preaching about Christ and what He's done for us. This is how we go about through the world that we walk in today and share the Gospel. What has God done for you? He saved me from my sins. What about you? Is He waiting for you to do something? 
Not the God of Scriptures. The God of Scriptures has done it. It is finished. True preaching is not persuading men to do something for God. That's not true preaching at all. True preaching is the proclamation of what God has done for us. Christ says, I was hungry. I wouldn't ask you. He said this, He said, the cattle of a thousand hills are mine. Why would He ask us for anything? Why would Christ ask me for anything? Everything's already His. What could this poor sinner give my Lord? Our Lord says He sent that God the Father sent Him to preach, to proclaim the good news that there is forgiveness, that there is mercy, that there is grace, that there is life, that there is hope for sinners. Preaching is a proclamation and a declaration of what God has done for us. Christ came into the world to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek the meek and the poor. He died for the ungodly is what we read in Scripture. He came to save sinners. He says says to you and I, He sent me to preach good news to the meek, to the poor, to the humble and to the lowly, not to the proud who say, ah, look what I've done. I've changed. I've I've made a decision for Jesus. Ah, look what I've done. I have followed the Lord. No, He comes to those who are over in the side saying, Lord, have mercy on me. The meek. Those who need a God, a Savior. Not just once, but for the whole time that we walk this earth. Folks, if you ever get up off your knees and you belong to the Lord, He's going to cut your feet out from underneath you and show you. He's going to show you how much we need Him. And He does that because He loves us. And He will not lose us. Christ came to save sinners. His name is Jesus for He shall save His people. Now look at the next part of the line. The line it says, And the Lord sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. What does it mean to uh, bind up a brokenhearted? Is that, you know, you and I would take that word and probably think, well, country singers do it best. My truck is broken down. My dog left me, or my, my wife left me, and my dog wants to bite me. Brokenhearted. We take things like that. Is that's not what this is talking about. This is not talking about that at all. You know why that beggar was over there inside of that temple, crying out for the Lord to have mercy on him? Because he saw what he was before a thrice holy God. He didn't see himself in righteousness, especially in the righteousness of what he was doing. He saw Himself as the sinner, the beggar that He was. And this is what our Lord is talking about. A broken heart. A broken and contrite heart. One who sees what we are before God and desires the mercy of God. Desires the grace of our Lord. Calling unto Him, Lord, be merciful unto this sinner.
That's what it means when the writer of the 34th Psalm wrote these words in verse 18, The Lord is nigh unto them of a broken heart. It's not physically speaking of some fleshly event or relationship or someone's son or daughter or any bad thing, whether it be a thing at work, something that broke our heart, husband or wife. It's speaking about a broken heart over the sin. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart and a contrite spirit. The Lord will not despise. What our Lord is saying, He says in these words that we read in our text is this, I came to preach good news to sinners. Those who have been convicted of their sin. We're the ones who need good news. Those who walk around thinking more of themselves than what they are. And don't feel like you can't fall into that very very same trap. Because we do. But once again, I'm thankful the Lord cuts our legs out from underneath us and reminds us. That's why Paul can say he glories in, in, in his infirmities. Because he knows that it's the Lord showing him, I need thee, oh Lord, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Do you? Sometime when you have a moment of your own, read the 51st Psalm. You can write that down on your bulletin to remind yourself later. Read the 51st Psalm. David's heart was broken. Not because of the things that he did. Well, no, I I didn't say that properly. Not, Not because of the loss of his son or any of that. Not because he was caught. Not because somebody came to him and pointed out, see what you did? No, but because he knew that he had sinned against God. Read it for yourself sometime. Now the next part of our text says, He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive. The gospel of God's free and sovereign grace is freedom to those that are held captive by sin. You and I at one time walked in darkness under the captivation of our sin. Completely unaware that we were sinners at all. The gospel of God's free and sovereign grace is freedom to those who are held captive. This is talking about setting us free, those that are captive to the law, the law of sin and death, and they are captives to the justice and the judgment of God as well. We are captives to the law. We have broken the law. Therefore, the law has a claim on each and every one of us. The law has captured us and the law will hold us until the debt has been paid, until it has been discharged. The justice of God had a hold of us and the justice of God says that we have broken the law and the Word says this, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. So we are held captive by that law of sin. The law of sin and death and we are held captive by the justice of God. Christ came to set us free. He came to open up the prison to them that are bound. 
those that were bound by sin at one time. Now, I'm not talking about the fact that we don't have sin in our body, in our flesh still. We're no longer captive to that. We are set free because our Lord has paid for our sins completely. We were talking in Friday night's Bible study and there's a lot of instruction there about how we should be walking. This morning, in our Bible study this morning, Peter also talked a lot about how we should be walking as Christians. I encourage you, go out and sin not. Paul said that. Go forth and be holy, for our God is holy. But folks, we have an advocate in heaven. For when we... Whether, whether we are capable of even a little bit of holiness or incapable of it. Our Lord covered it all perfectly for us. What we couldn't do, He did. And He did it perfectly. He proclaims the liberty to the captive. The Gospel of God's free and sovereign grace. He came and He opened the prison to them that were bound. Our Lord came to this world and He fulfilled the law as our representative, as our substitute. Not only did He fulfill the law, He took care of the justice for us. He shed His own blood for you and I. He stood in our place. That which you and I deserved by His grace, He took upon Himself. Christ went to that cross and the justice, the judgment, the wrath of God was laid upon Him for our sins. He set us free from the sins that we have within us. He sent me to proclaim freedom is what He's telling us. And liberty. Free from the law. Oh, what a happy condition. Jesus has died and there is remission to sinners. Where the law had laid a curse upon us. Slain by the fall, Christ hath redeemed us once and for all. He did set us free. He didn't try to. It just bothers me that people talk about a Jesus that is trying to do something. It just bothers me. Our Lord didn't do anything halfway. Amen. He didn't leave anything for you and I to do. He set the captive free by His obedience and by His death. I tell you this, that my Lord came down here with the Spirit of God on Him. He was sent by the Father to be anointed to be my prophet, my priest, my king, and He set me free. He was sent to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What is the acceptable year of the Lord? Allow me to quote this from Henry Mahan. It's the year of Jubilee. Celebration. The Old Testament Jews had a year of Jubilee which was the 50th year. Now they numbered seven Sabbath years and every seventh year was a sabbatic year. Seven of the sabbatical years made 50th. One of, uh, and on that year of the Jubilee, every man who was sold into slavery was free all property that was lost, stolen, or sold was restored. All debts were canceled. And this was the year of rest that God proclaimed. This is the, this is the year of the Lord. 
rest to His people. All of our sin debts are canceled this day. And we enter into His rest forevermore. Our Lord says to each and every one of you who belong to Him, He says, the Spirit of God is upon Him. All power in heaven and earth belong to Him. Everything He has done for you, everything He has done for me, everything He has done for every one of His children throughout all of time. And when that last child of His is called out of the darkness that they once walked in, into His marvelous light, there'll be no need for time. Everything that is needed of is given and provided by Him. Rest in Him. Quit trying to earn your salvation. And I'm talking to myself as much as anybody. He says to you and I, the Spirit of God is upon me. This day, this is all fulfilled. Preach the good news. Heal the brokenhearted. Set at liberty the captive. Open the prisons to them that are bound and proclaim the year of the Jubilee. Folks, you are free in Christ. And our Lord Jesus Christ is the Messiah spoken of in the Old Testament. Scripture is once again fulfilled. Amen.